from deep behind the enemy lines of FEMA Region 3. You're listening to the Powder Monkey Podcast on PirateInfoWars.com. Episode 62 of the Powder Monkey Podcast. Today's uh, episode is called Roadies and Rockstars. And uh, Peter Walker is my guest today. He is the mastermind behind the website, the, uh, the, 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 the memoirs, the, the rockumentaries, the book, the soon, I believe, to be rock opera, from what I can maybe just tell. <laughs> but, uh, man, welcome to the show. Thank you for selling aboard with us. Uh, appreciate you coming on, man. Hey, thanks for having me. And that's all the time we have today. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know how it is. The blooper reel is going to be great anyway. So. <laughs> Bro, uh, hey, thanks for having me on, man. Uh, you know, uh, you may not know this, but I used to live in West Virginia for a, a bit of a spell. Amazing. So. Got a lot of um, a lot of my people there, as I say, you know. What, what part? What part of West Virginia? Huntington. Oh, okay. okay. And if you are not familiar, Huntington is on the Kentucky, Ohio, West Virginia, what they call the tri-state border. Uh, right. The, yeah. Uh, if, I'm sure you know the band uh, Sam Black Church. I do not, but I'm willing to disparage them at any moment or cheer oh, them uh, <laughs> I saw I saw a concert there, and they referred to it as Cuntington, but you know, it is, <laughs> it is what I've it is. I've never heard that before. Oh, well, here we go. But um, yeah, uh, that's that's cool. Uh, yeah, so did you go to uh, um, Marshall or um, tell us a little bit about <laughs> well, uh, about your your background there? I, I was with girls from Marshall. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> myself, I have an eighth grade education, so. I okay. released on my own recognizance rather early in life, but I was there because in the mid 80s, I used to go through there. Uh, I was a mixer for a band called War Child, and I met a band that was looking for a bass player. So that was my job off, and they were called Malachi after the children of the corn. He wants you to Malachi. That was all happening. Right. Um, so I just joined this band that was already there from Huntington with all the Huntington guys in the mid 80s. Uh, you know, before they took clubs to 21 and over, when it was 18 and over, the club scene in, in America was really rocking. And, and in Huntington, West Virginia, and Charleston, West Virginia, and other points of West Virginia, uh, it was, had an incredible nightclub scene, which you really uh, can't believe um, sure. uh, today's standards. But there was just a, really a lot happening in West Virginia. You know, the coal mines were popping. Industry was popping over in Ironton. A working man could get a working man's job, buy a home, have a family, and go out on Friday, Saturday nights and uh, and rock it out, you know? And that's how it works. Right, right. Um, so uh, I, I guess that is where you got into the uh, – so well, let, let's, let's go back for a second. You've got – you've been in the concert audio business uh, – for since the 70s okay. so um so with that uh, is that how that started i mean that that's that's where the ball got sort of got rolling with uh with this whole this whole well with me you know my mom worked uh nights and she was a nurse and sometimes she'd do double shifts and i was a latchkey kid mm -hmm. and 
babysitters were a rock band. And hmm. so on the weekends when mom was working, I would go out with them because that was the safest place for me to be in a right. biker club. <laughs> in some biker bar uh, uh, you know, <laughs> with, with the band uh, rocking it out and us there till, you know, three, some o'clock in the morning. And sure. I was a did my first gig and you know when you're when you're a kid and you don't have a father around and uh you know you covet what you see you're interested in what you see with your two eyeballs mm-hmm. which guys on stage having a good time you know uh a, a lot of hot women around with people giving me alcohol and marijuana it's like why do not why do i not want to be here you know what it, am it, i for- it's almost like money for nothing and the chicks for free i yeah, would no say doubt. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's how it's if done. somebody wants to to coin that or, or write a you know, know write it, but um you know it, it, it's uh and you know back then uh, if you remember night tracks uh, that was sort of my thing man uh, before you know before MTV really hit you know uh, in in this area I, I live in Mount Hope Beckley area if you're familiar with that area but uh, yeah. so. So, um, you know, before we actually had more than, you know, we, we could still hit all the channels by turning a dial, one of those things. Uh, you know, we had we had night tracks and I would stay up in the summertime all night watching, you know, watching all those videos. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was a, it was a crazy time, I guess, in the you started in the 70s. Uh, really, music kind of hit my radar hardcore in the 80s i mean i remember with my dad you know and his you know my uncle jimmy and you know the uh it it just all the all the old 70s grand funk and you know uh, all of that but it you know it just uh i guess my my arabic i kind of hit the hit the radar on the music scene in the 80s and it sort of changed i i think between the 70s well actually maybe between the 50s i mean you've got some you've got some names you've got like tony bennett that you can name drop uh chuck berry so i you know what what do you think happened between the great american songbook era and where we're at today man i mean you kind of have seen the back end of it Give us, I don't know if you, I don't know that that's an hour long conversation, but uh, Uh, what do you think happened? It's a day long conversation. Right. What's a boil down? Well, I'll say this, right? That it's no accident that we are where we are in the music business and the music industry today, right? (laughs) And when you look at um you know listen to the words of the late great frank zappa who said that the things about the uh, music that was being signed in the 60s and the early 70s and those kind of acts that were being signed were being signed by cigar chomping old dudes sitting behind the desk that said i don't know what it is put it out there give it a chance right and then the guys with the ponytails that took over the business said oh I know what's hip. I know what's happening. I'll choose what it is, right? And I'll make the uh, the signings of the bands. Then it really changed. I mean, one of the things that happened from the 60s, definitely from the, you can see the difference from the 70s and the 80s is that how many 70s groups can you look back at and go, oh, these guys are from Michigan. These guys are from Ohio. These guys are from all over. And then it turns into the 80s. And where is everyone from? It's LA. It's LA and New York. Right. Where are all right. the great bands from the Midwest? And they aren't. And, and that stems from the uh, new executives in the record business who are unwilling to leave the street that they work on <laughs> to go look for right. some next. You know, who gets signed? Well, who's playing down the street? <laughs> you right. know, and that's it. You think about some of the epic bands from Chicago and Pittsburgh and just around the country, Cleveland, where I grew up in my like Cleveland, in the uh, late 80s and that 90s era, when all that was happening out of Seattle, there were some epic, epic bands playing in Ohio, playing in my era area right. and coming to see them from the record companies. Nobody because they're too lazy. They're too they, they don't look into the future properly. Mm-hmm. And they just, uh, you know, you covet what you see. (laughs) They they take what's around them. And then the next pivot point from that was when 
the internet happened, you know, and then all these record companies turned into the blockbuster videos of the future, you know. Right. So many people saw what was coming, and the people in the industry, uh, the closest to the center of the core, were the ones definitely not seeing what was coming. Mm-hmm. You know, another thing too that happened in the uh, in the music business is that someone got it in their head that you know developing talent and looking for a group and then working with them over a number of years and let's let's get them out on the road and let's get them opening for a band and let's build up their fan base and that that turned that that's a lot of work and we don't want to really get involved in that you know right. what they, they prefer is just to pick some pop star out of here or there and just um, drop them into the sound machine, let the usual right. suspects write the write the hit, just like the last time, drop in the auto-tune, push it out over the uh, airwaves that they own, you know, and then let's move on to the next one. And when they are done with them, they chew them up and spit them out and back in the grinder. And right. in modern day uh, streaming services, you don't make a penny, you don't make a dime, and how artists make money today um it escapes me i have friends that are on that side of the business i don't uh, claim to um to know much about that but i know this i know that i do a tour every year called jingle ball where we, t- we do 10 cities and um we it, it's a pop show by by any by any how you look at it, it's just a pop concert and that's what it is but over the past we had a young artist who had never done a show before, a live show. She was some TikTok star. I don't even remember her name. Mm-hmm. But but to take a woman like that, right, a young, a young woman, and to plop her on stage in front of 20,000 people for her first gig ever, <laughs> you know, and just turn on the track and let the lights wiggle and the dancers dance in the background and do the thing. But that is not how to develop an artist. You know, sure. you need get someone in the clubs you need to get someone at a piano bar you need to get somebody in front you need to work out your act work out your rapport you know so you don't look like a deer in the headlights standing out there like boy what am i doing here like you were just telling what so what what the places i mean you you mentioned the bar scenes and things like that i mean what the places like the the whiskey uh you know and and i mean that used to be kind of how you broke in i think um but well, that I, good. I mean, I just I, how has that evolved? Is that something that I mean, you know, because it, it, it sounds to me like you're saying that it's more of a manufactured, canned process, rubber stamp, you know, the artist, and and you know, it just is what it is. That doesn't sound, you know, it's not organic, is I think what you're saying. <laughs> no, it is not. So, so how, you know, how, what's that scene like? I mean, I guess it, it's all just glitzed and glammed and glimmered. And... Well, as far as artist development goes, I mean, like I, I wouldn't know because I'm so, yeah. I'm so far removed from that. You know, I mean, I, I would have to get in the time machine <laughs> to go back. I mean, the last time I worked for a record company and worked for a worked for a band that was doing the thing was in 1995. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I I show up like after after all the budgetary things have been worked out, and uh, you know, for the past 20 plus years, I've been primarily doing uh, television events. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I I show up only when the budgets you know right at, at another level of things you know so there's there's just, so much that i don't know you just did you just uh posted one i think last weekend i believe that you did uh you know looked like you had a bunch of you know things going on there How, how'd that turn out for what was that the latin music awards was that I, the 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 latin billboard awards yeah billboard awards okay yeah mm-hmm. i'm sorry um, yeah, it looked like uh, a lot of duct tape. Did my duct tape uh, suggestion come in handy? Was that a? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I honestly I don't remember. <laughs> you know, I, I got a half million people commenting a week. It's tough. I, I got you. Yeah, no, I, I got you. Yeah, I wouldn't probably take any suggestions I, I throw out there. Anyway. <laughs> so well, there's that too. <laughs> so um, you know, uh, I guess moving on. Uh, 
with you know some of the stories, some of the things uh, you know, you've talked about the worst concert ever. Um, you know, I don't know where you want to go with it, but uh, maybe throw some things out there. You know, uh, some of the things people can find on your website, and uh, maybe you know we'll go from there. Worst concert ever? Sure, man. <laughs> well, I'll give you. I'll give you the. Um... I'll give you the highlights of it. You know, the worst concert ever, it was in the mid nineties and it was a biker festival in somewhere in, in farm country, Ohio. And I remember telling my boss point blank that this was a bad idea for a number of reasons. And he called me a, you know, said, Pete, you're just a big pussy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but, but words where I come from. So I'm doing the show. And we end up doing the show, and it turned out that I was completely right about everything. And right. uh, the bullet points were that we had um, Molly Hatchet, Leslie West, and Starship um, that were going to perform on these two flatbed trucks that were pushed together with a boat tarp for a roof. It was about nice. 105 degrees during the day. It had to be the hottest day in the history of Ohio. And then we had a monsoon rainstorm come in that just wiped out the site, wiped out the site. And at that time, I was really friendly with Leslie West. Him and I had done a lot of shows together. He came through the Agora quite a bit. And it was me, Leslie West, and the front of house mixer, John, holding down the tent, you know, <laughs> as this storm came through and wrecked the site. And the thing about the site was that they had chosen this big, big field that had a low point, right? But we had a drought all summer. And what nobody realized is this was actually a marsh. So after we had this heavy three-hour rainstorm come through, uh, everyone realized that all their tents, like hundreds of tents that were out there, were now underwater. Sunk, and everyone right? floating around. And the <laughs> molly people were trying to split and they get stuck in the mud and then the bikers pull them off the bus at gunpoint you motherfuckers ain't gonna know where do we get our concert right and then next thing you know i got a gun in my mouth and as i'm trying to explain it we can't do it like this you know <laughs> because uh you know, fucking roof collapsed i mean you know i got a full video it's in my book it's yeah it, calamity um calamity but um it, it it was it was bad we came back the next day to get our truck out of the mud and instead of the calling the cops which would or the sheriff would have been the right thing we went back with guns blazing <laughs> right. like billy's do you know yeah, well you had yeah. molly hatchet dude what i mean come on <laughs> <laughs> yeah we had molly hatchet with that singer what was his name johnny brown johnny joe jimmy uh, Jim Dandy? No, no, no that's <laughs> no, like a, that's yeah, I know. yeah, oh yeah, I know. I'm with, uh, Johnny, uh, Johnny, Johnny, Joe Brown, Joe Brown, whatever, whatever the singer's name was. Right. He, he, he was trying to go over to the monitor world to throw up, and my buddy John was having not having it, pushing him back out, like motherfucker, get out of here, you know. And he was just throwing up behind the amp racks. I mean, the bikers dragged him <laughs> off the bus with his ostrich skin boots, you know, right through the mud, threw him on the stage. You know, the only thing that was missing was them shooting at his feet with Dance Rabbit. Come on, Rabbit, dance. <laughs> that was it was it was Yosemite Sam time all the way out there. Awesome. And that's what I'll say about that. Awesome. Uh, as far as uh, people you've worked with that maybe have a, a bad rap, but they're they're actually decent people behind the scenes. Uh, mm. I mean, uh, anybody that comes to mind, anybody that that you want that you can think of that that. Uh, and then vice versa, uh, maybe maybe somebody else. I mean, I ain't asking you to call anybody out, but uh, oh, you I'm know, just some... <laughs> hell, let's do it, man. Let's do it. Got, got no, uh, got no shame about it. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm having a hard time pulling up that kind of recall. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Like, who okay. was awesome? You know, who was awesome was awesome, and who wasn't wasn't. Right. And, um, just kind of like the Taylor Swift thing. You think, you know, uh, you, you hear a, a bunch of stuff about Taylor Swift and then and then she drops all kinds of money on her crew, uh, you know, and things like that. You know, just I think in bonuses and whatnot. I don't know the whole story behind that, but I, I saw something like that. And I just I thought well, that was impressive. 
Um, well, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I've done a bunch of shows with her and over the years as her career has um, come. I mean, I've done I did a gig with her at a fucking airport, man, <laughs> you know, right in, in, inside the terminal, you know, and yeah. I, you know, let, let's start from a couple things. First off, music's not made for me. Let's start from that, which I don't care about because right. I'm in the business. I'm not in the opinion business when I when I go to work. The other thing, too, is that, uh, you know, she writes her own music. She writes her own material. She gets on the stage and she delivers to her fans. You know, she's not showing up fat, drunk and fucking out of breath. <laughs> you know, right. She's trying yeah. to that, that 27 other people wrote, you know, so give it up to her. She's out there delivering and do it. I did a podcast with a guy named Rocco Reedy, who's like one of the he's, he's an infamous, famous stage manager. He's been with everybody over the years and he remembers having her when she was 17 years old 16 17 opening up for some of the shows he was doing you know and she's just a kid out there doing it but you know she's a perfect example of everything right with your career of owning your career being in charge of your career not being some dummy that they just like carry in off a chair and then dump on the stage and you know, dance rabbit or dance while we wind you up, you know, somebody that really, um, uh, really owns what they're doing, knows what they're doing. You know, I, I give, I give it up for the, um, as far as, um, you know, we were talking kind of about, you know, how, how music has evolved. What are what's your theories on, uh, you know, things like how how did we get from like the Sugar Hill Gang to the Ghetto Boys? Is that manufactured? That was oh. that a a national? Was that was that? I mean, because I've heard everything from it, it was a plot to fill up the the jails to you know, but but uh, you know, you kind of see the people on the back end. Uh, you know, when the show's over, you know what what's your opinion on that? Uh, you know, how do we get there? Well, I mean, are you, are you saying that there's a coincidence that the people that own the record companies also, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you know, I mean, just follow the money. I mean, you right. follow a rapper that comes out that's got a positive message of uplifting his community, and I'll show you a guy that's rapping to six people, you know? Hey, Will Smith doesn't have to cuss uh, to sell records, I, uh, from what I hear. But <laughs> well, but he'll slap not, the shit out he's, of you. He's, he's, he's not, not going. <laughs> he's not selling much of anything. Well, but I, I'll tell you, I, I'll tell you this. Right, we were doing a show in New York City, and I, I won't even mention the venue. Mm-hmm. Right, and and it was a young rapper, okay, on his first tour, and. The show was coming to an end, and the management and the audience wanted him to come back out and do an encore. Mm-hmm. Okay. He refused to do the encore. The management, his manager, had one of their security guys rape him in the dressing room as punishment for not going out and doing the encore. Wow. He's had to come, and it was this big fucking thing, you know, and... During all of this, you know, the only thing that could wrap through my head is that I can't imagine this happening in country music. I can't imagine someone saying to a young Hank Williams Jr., you know, you need to get out there above is going to rape you. <laughs> you have know? you ever seen have, have you ever seen the movie Deliverance, bro? Have you sure. ever? Uh, no, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I don't know how to wrap my head around that. You know, now I've done uh, rap tours, shows, R&B stuff. And um, I, I know that you I, I've seen some of your posts, you know, about some of the, the shows you've done with the rap, you know, and, and everything like that. You know, just uh, I, I, just I guess the back end of it, you know, you never really know. You hear the thing about, you know, the. The Satanism and the, you know, all of the things like the uh, the astro world, for example. Um, you know, wh- wh- what's your opinion on that? You know, people saying, oh, that it was a satanic ritual. I mean, what is real when you're putting on a show? That's, that's I guess, what I'm saying. Nothing is real. That's why it's a right. show. I yeah, mean, exactly. It, it, 
look at it in your portal, you know, right. through your device, and you're watching it on TV, whether right. it's whether it's um, you know cartoons or CNN or whatever. It's right. all it's all a show. It, none of it is real. It's, it's all programming. It's all it's all entertainment. Yeah, you know, I got gotcha. you. I mean, my granddaughter right now uh, is at that uh, age, you know, uh, clicking um, fourteen, and it mm -hmm. is looking at all of these uh, artists that she's into. And I say to her, you know, remember the school play last year when your friend played Ariel? Well, your friend really doesn't live under the sea, <laughs> right. you know. And when you see an artist that's that's saying something or doing something, they're not really saying or doing that. They're an actor or an actress playing a part, a part of a performance. And that's what it is. I mean, who is a Satanist and who is a pretend to be Satanist? Who thinks it's gitchy and who's jumping on a bandwagon? You know, right. who's like a tough macho person, but is super uh, feminine behind the scenes, you know? This is yeah. what it's all about. It is. It's not that most of it's bullshit. Like it's all bullshit. If it's right. not, it's not some organic group of guys that got together and playing music. As soon as there's any kind of manufacturing set up behind it, yeah, you could just count on that it's bullshit. What do you think about uh, who was that? Uh, you you mentioned that. Uh, I'm, well, you didn't mention him, but uh, Milo had mentioned that Tupac might have been a thespian, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, do you know anything about that? Or was Tupac, you know, I mean, because he threw that out, but, I mean, it's Milo, you know. No, I, I don't, uh, I, I really don't. I, and I don't I don't want any rappers mad at me either, so please. No, no, <laughs> but I, 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 I just say that, uh, for the most part, if I didn't see it with my two eyes, right, a friend yeah. of mine, I really don't know about it. You know, I, I don't you. I follow music news, you know, and I don't read people's autobiographies and I don't watch uh, documentaries on my industry. Right. <laughs> you know, and that's that's what it is. I, I, I want to ask one thing because, you you know, I've seen a lot of in your photos, the Spaceman and MTV, um, you know, and, and the point, you know, and I, I was talking about Night Tracks even before MTV and, and the, the well, even though it was the 80s and, and, you know, you were, you know, we've already covered, you know, what the mechanisms were behind it. But it was still kind of the art as well. You know, video was killing the radio star at that time. And then it went all of a sudden to to like Jersey Shore, man. What happened? Do you think with that? And did did I mean <laughs> I still can't wrap my head around that. Well, uh, I will say this, right? As far as this topic's concerned, I'm a little too close to the center of the circle. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> I, I have a I've got a lot of MTV passes on the wall behind me. Yes, because working for them for the past 26 years, right? Mm -hmm. I used to do the uh, when I, I did the first seasons of um, uh, MTV Beach House. We used to do it down on the Jersey Shore. You know, mm -hmm. we had this grind with a bunch of teenagers rubbing up against each other, and uh, just a bunch of other stupid shows. But the the thing about MTV is that they are notoriously cheap when it comes to their own uh, content their own content creation and internal mm -hmm. stuff they do these shows yeah. these jersey shows jersey shows jersey shores you know like what is it, it it's getting a bunch of um uh, neanderthals together with camera crew and letting it rip and have some producer antagonize people you know right. but it, it's not like they're they're paying for these brilliant writers to come up with these epic skits. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just not that way. MTV spends their money on the VMAs, you know, which is an epic uh, undertaking. Definitely the biggest show on TV, uh, arguably, you know. And how they renovate, get all their money and, and generate it and keep it going. I mean, under Viacom, yeah. I, mean, bro, bro, I have no idea. No idea. Well, you know, you know what I say that I don't watch bad TV. I make bad TV. Hey, you're on. You're on a bad podcast right now, bro. Welcome, welcome to the party. <laughs> well, bro, you know what I say is that I, I don't order the pizza. I deliver the pizza. Right. 
Yeah, we've we've covered this. So, uh, some stories uh, for a friend of mine uh, who's who's a fan, Mr. Tony Bennett. Uh, maybe some some good uh, some maybe some some good memories from him. Tony. Tony was just super. Tony was super cool, you know. And I met him at, at when I was in Cleveland, and we were doing some festival. We had Green Day the day before. And a riot broke out, and we, we were we were just really coming out of a riot zone, and then right. going to Tony Bennett the next day. And Tony Bennett is actually the only autograph that I have, uh, and only because I was tapping my sharpie on the side of the monitor console. Tony was standing next to me. He goes, "Oh, you want my autograph?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." And he signed my pass from the day before. <laughs> right nice. behind. You know, but I, I ended up working for Tony with, for multiple sound companies and Radio City Music Hall over the years. I probably did like 50 shows with Tony. Um, you know, just great, great guy, great camp, you know, great group of people to work with and travel with. You know, I, I just can't say enough. You know, uh, Tony Bennett introduced me to the president, which was really, really surreal. Nice. In DC, you know, um, he was just a great guy. You know, pothead, you know, Tony getting high and just doing his thing. One of my younger brothers, I got him a job uh, going to Tony's apartment uh, on Central Park West. And he would like go there and help him dick around with his DVD player and hook up his little stereo thing. And, you know, they would get high together and painting and <laughs> doing his thing you know uh, he was a super super chilled out guy and you know and, and what a talent mm-hmm. you know i'll tell you the, the one thing that about tony that was really funny is that he had a tremendously large head and if you look at pictures of him like look look at his head in comparison like to his his shoulder and his body <laughs> you know he had a huge head like when you're standing next to tony better around him like, there's no like who are you standing next to you know that's funny i'll need so, to I've, I've never noticed that i'll need to take a look at that yeah uh, zoom on in yeah. <laughs> um yeah th- what about uh what do you think about uh you know some of the new some of the more uh, uh well organic movements like uh oliver anthony what do you think about about that type of uh um well you know patriotism it, well, I'm all about it, you know, first off, you know, I'm an American, uh, right. you know, I love my country, love my people, not always proud of what uh, my government is doing on my behalf, Amen. Uh, you know, and that's what that is. I mean, I've seen the dismantling of my nation in, before my eyes. I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, which was one of the manufacturing capitals of the world when I sure. grew up. You know, you can right out of high school, you can go down to TRW, get a job at a factory, buy a house in two years, get married, raise a family, have a pension, take a vacation every year, buy a new car every two years. You know, that that is the life that we had in this country. You know, it's not a fairy tale book. Right. So I've seen this dismantling in front of my eyes. And on top of that, during the 90s, when uh, NAFTA was enacted, you know, because People forget that George Bush uh, Sr. was the one that tried to get NAFTA through, and he couldn't do it. It took the Clintons to push it through. And the giant after, sucking sound. That, <laughs> oh, that giant Ross Perot. Who, yeah. who I, I voted for Ross Perot, who said that, you hear that giant sucking sound? That's our job, leaving the country. Right. And after Ross Perot lost that election, I worked for a sound company. You know what we did? We would go to every GM factory in Ohio, Indiana, in Michigan, and do the state of the division meetings where we would uh, do a, a production for all three shifts in the factory, explaining to them how that giant sucking sound is taking your jobs out of the country. We are dismantling this factory. You are going to train your replacements, pack your bags, and get out. Right. So, you know, I saw it in my lifetime. And, you know, and the reason, one of the reasons that I don't talk any politics on my channel, and I never will, mm. 
because it's the most disingenuous conversation of all time to discuss yeah. this on the internet with other people that don't want to put anything into context, number one. They might, may or may not have a complete understanding of how we got here. You know, if you show up at a place and you see some guy punching a woman in the face, you go, hey, what the fuck is going on here? But then you find out, oh, she killed all his children. She shot his dog. You know, I mean, yeah. let's get let's get the history together here. You know, so that's the fly. The other thing, too, is that I've been backstage at political rallies, political debates, man. You know, I, I've seen these people laughing it up and, and, and hanging out backstage and going out of the deck. And you, sir, you know, I mean, it, yeah. it's all go back to theater. It's all it's a show. All, it's all a show, man. Uh, well, I mean, and, and you're you know the the term. Uh, what was well, I don't know the term. Hell, Washington wives, wasn't it? Tipper Gore. Uh, you know, the whole Blackie Lawless, he, he, you know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, everything, everything has been flipped on its head, you know, back then, you know, Blackie Lawless was the hero, you know, he was, he was speaking for, for free speech. And now it's get a shot or you're a Nazi. And, you know, I, (laughs) and again, not to get political, but I, how did we get here? Why did we not draw a line in the sand and say, you know, I want to rock? However, you know, I, I I don't understand it. I don't understand it, man. And that's why I like talking to people because I, I want perspective. And uh, you, you've got a great one, man. You certainly do. Well, I have the one that I have, which is to run right. from, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm almost I'll be 61 next month. So. You know, I'm, I didn't just spring out yesterday. Sure. And I've, you know, and I've worked all over the world, certainly worked all over the country. And, you know, there, there's a lot of people that have traveled all over the country, but unless you've driven it, unless you've been in the truck stops in Iowa and Nebraska and Mississippi and, you know, and you, and you meet people that work for a living. The problem with our country is, and, and this is the, like the last political thing I'll say, right? The sure. problem with is that it's run by people that went to college and that think that have this elitist attitude that they know better than you, that they're smarter than you because daddy paid for them to go to college or because they're foolish enough to be in uh, six figures of debt, right? Right. The contempt for the working man that we get all these shit decisions. If, 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 if you work for a living and you had control of the reins of power, these would not be the decisions you'd make because you know how it slides downhill. West Virginia, I mean, I, I, we could, I could do a, a day-long podcast just talking about the people of West Virginia and how yes, they've sir. got into the stick. How they got, they got, <laughs> someone took the mine and you got the shaft, man. And that's how it goes. So like, well, where's well we, right? so we got all that we got all that oxycodone, though, man. That was, you know, that was a pretty decent, <laughs> pretty decent trade off, I think. Yeah, so, what a trade off. So, um, so um, as far as uh, you know, with MTV, uh, some of the names yep. I, I wrote down, just whatever comes to your mind. I know that uh, that back in the day. Um, Van Halen was kind of, you know, big on MTV. They were on it a lot, a lot of their jingles and everything like that. You got any Diamond Dave stories or anything like that that just to top of your head? Well, I never worked for Van Halen, but I knew well, people, oh, well, I, I, mean, I, knew, yeah. I knew people that did. Okay. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. And what I was told is that when the Van Halen brothers start speaking Dutch, everybody clear the room. <laughs> <laughs> that I knew. And uh, I actually met David Lee Roth at the VMAs a couple years ago. Uh, him and I were walking together in the same direction at the same time, you know, and we just kind of um, bullshitted back and forth for a minute. He was it, he was totally cool to me. But, um, you know, the thing about uh, celebrities is that how how they'll treat you is directly related to how you treat them. You know, if I approach Dave that I wanted the autograph and I'm your biggest fan and all this, you know, it, his reaction to me would have been different than just be walking up. Hey, Dave, what's happening? And I keep on walking, you know. Right. I gotcha. You know. I gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the um, let me see here. We've covered quite a bit, man. Uh, yeah. Okay. Here's one. Uh, my just uh, my son actually just graduated from WVU, and nice. you know, and that's his. You know, he's 
right right up your alley. Um, but he's uh, he's thinking about you know he's he's looking he's dabbling uh, thinking about getting into some type of audio engineering job or something like that. It's so what what for anybody who um, and not just not just for somebody trying to break into to the audio you know engineering or anything like that but just anybody with a podcast any any advice tips you know what would you throw out there though for somebody who wants to get in the industry specifically and uh kind of you know kind of work their way through and, and work work their way up the ropes um how, where, how do you do it well i'll tell you a couple things that um that that i think on that subject right one of the things is that I tell people when I meet them around the country is that if you're not going to live in New York or Los Angeles or maybe Chicago, just forget mm-hmm. it. Forget it 100% and go find something else to do in your area. Because unless you're in New York, Chicago, or Los Angeles, the chances that you are going to do this year-round for a living 12 months out of the year, it, it, it's it, it's a little on the low side, you know? Mm-hmm. How many times could I, have you ever seen the movie 300? Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Where King Leonidas says, who here is a full-time warrior? And then one guy says, I'm a baker. I'm a, I'm a this, I'm a that, you know, that's how it is every time I go to work, uh, in, sure. in you know, in, in D- Dallas or wherever you look at the stagehands, uh, you know, which there are some great ones. There are some great ones in all these markets, but there's a lot of markets too where they're scooping up people from God knows where, paying them God knows what. And like, first off, who has ever seen a concert before, <laughs> let alone right. working one? So, right. uh, you know, and also too, if, that if you're not in an A market, you're never going to make A money, you know? Right. And, on the road you want to go on the road you want to do that hey that's great you know go on the road for 10 months and come home and then what do you do when you come home who you're working locally you're not because the people that work locally already got those spots you want to work for a band you want to work for an artist and travel with the rock star the pop star hey that's great you you just signed up your life to live by their schedule and when they want to take a year go discover themselves what the fuck are you going to do you're going to get that local job that you passed up last year that somebody else filled the spot then now you can't get in that theater you can't get in that sound company you're going to go work for some uh hotel uh, av company that's going to pay you minimum wage and and treat you like shit yeah so (laughs) so so you recommend it as watching you you highly recommend pursuing that that career (laughs) No, I, I I get it, dude. Um, you know, and uh, I guess around here, even just with radio stations, though, like he he mentioned that like he he was somewhere. He he does. Uh, he's a technician for a uh, a Cloud Eight distributor right now. I probably shouldn't even throw that out there, but he uh, and he was at some festival and and uh, a radio station with one of their techs was were setting up. I guess their their kit. And, uh, you know, he just, the guy told him, I mean, you know, they're, I guess people, they're hurting for, for work. He said, uh, something, I don't know the jargon, but he said, the guy told him, if you know anything about, I think it's Ohm's theory or something like that, that, uh, that, you know, that they're willing to talk to you. I don't know. He, he thought it was funny. I don't, you laughed. I don't know what that really means, (laughs) but, but, uh. So, you know, I mean, it, it sounds to me like even just the the whole structure, I mean, and it's just everywhere and not to get back into political, uh, last political thing I'll say is some people, you know, are on this side, some people are on that side, Van Halen, Van Hagar. I'm, I'm Gary Sharon, dude. I think we can all enjoy it. You know, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm Gary Sharon. I, I, I'll say Sharon yeah. and let's all just get Sharon. But, um, you know. Dude, well, um, well yeah. I, I, just just to cap off on that, you know, I'm a, it, it, it's just it's just the basic thing that if you want to make surfboards and sell surfboards for a living and you're really good at making surfboards, you don't right. move to color, you know, and you don't sell snowblowers in Miami. You might be the mm-hmm. best snowblower salesman in all of Miami, but you're not going to sell one and right. you want to work in the entertainment business. You got to be where the show factory is. That's and it. If not, then you're just a, uh, a part-time cast member, and which was, is you know nothing wrong with it. But you can't make a, a good living. That's all I'm saying. 
I was I was kind of shocked. I was reading, uh, I think, in Leo Zagami's latest book, uh, just the whole Palm Springs thing and, and with Hollywood, how Palm Springs kind of was so popular because those stars, I mean, they look great on the screen, but they kind of had that golden chain around their ankles. They could only be so far out, like you were talking about, you know, if you're not in New York. You know, well, Palm Springs was close enough that uh, – they could get away, they could kind of vacation or whatever, but be close enough to get back at a, you know, at a moment's notice. And I, I think it was a two hour rule or something like that. You describe, um, you're describing where I live. I mean, I'm surrounded by rock stars and movie stars where I live. Right. You know? They live up here because nobody cares about them. And sure. uh, subsequently, you know, our organic grocery stores where the food is super expensive, they, oh, yeah. that's because... In the United States, how we keep the poor people away is we price them out, you know, because I've lived in Miami, I've lived in Manhattan, and I've had my house in Woodstock for 26 years. And that's how they do it. How they keep out the undesirables is they keep the prices high, and they make sure that there's stories here that you don't want anything from, and that are expensive. You know, right. when you go in, you go in the breakfast place at Woodstock, and you ask for an orange juice, and they tell you it's $13. You know, uh, what it is, you know, Mm -hmm. that's how um, uh, celebrities have create their own little enclaves. Now, Woodstock Mm -hmm. here has been this way forever, Uh, more so after the pandemic. But um, you're right. Two hours from the city. Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) You know, where I live, my where my house is. One, the house, one, two, three, four, five, the five houses around me are all weekenders, you know, mm-hmm. so, uh, and I'm on the end of a dead end road. So th- there's no humanity here until the weekends when right. New Yorkers come in. I got you. What it is. I got you. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, in New York, uh, I spent uh, a Thanksgiving in New York years ago. Great. Yeah. <laughs> It was an incredible experience, but uh, yeah, um, man, uh, we're we're coming up on about uh, about uh, we're at forty seven minutes. So uh, as far as everything goes, uh, let's talk about maybe uh, what you do, uh, some of your merchandise. Uh, just uh, you know, how how do people find you? How do people um, you know support what you do? Dig deeper into into your your memoirs. Like, what is it that I'm doing? You know, I mean, I'm. It's great. It's great. It is fantastic. Well, you're, you're, uh, you're pulling back the the covers and letting people kind of, kind of the veil and and letting people see, you know, just, just kind of a peek, the humanity, I think, even of, uh, you know, the, the other side, you know, and just the, the, um, just the memories, man. I mean, it, it ties something, you know, I see, I see you talk about Bon Jovi. I, I, put, I reposted something the other day about Bon Jovi's, I guess, first concert experience. And it was fantastic. <laughs> so, you know, um, yeah, dude, it, and, and it's, it's great that, that you're doing that, man. And, and you're also flying the Jolly Roger and bless you for that. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I have driven a truck with a pirate flag on it before. So it, it definitely, uh, I had a flip down. <laughs> so that seems appropriate. You know, it's hard to me to, it's hard for me to, um, to see it all that way. Cause I'm on the inside of the inside of the circle looking out, you know, but right. um, com. I mean, I started this during the pandemic because I was out of work and I uh, said, well, I'm just going to tell a story. Then I told another one. And then, you know, almost 200 videos later, you know, here we is. And right. now what's happening, what's happening now is um, my second book just came out. And uh, so I decided uh, the past couple of years, uh, two years ago, I decided I want to put a band together. Right. And I wanted to have a show that I could bring to your town in America, come to a local theater and have my band play classic rock songs and then tell classic stories and have um, guys in my band tell stories, me, me tell my stories and then play music and kind of thread it all together. But then I hit the conundrum of, OK, so where am I going to do this at exactly? So I, I tried to have my house expanded, but I don't have the acreage for it. And I'm right in the village. So that isn't out. So then I rented a building um, right on the on the on the river 
and I'm rehabbing it into a soundstage. <laughs> and nice. uh, so starting in January 24, my show's not going to be out of my house anymore. It'll be out of my soundstage with a full stage PA monitor rig and be able to have musical guests come in, do interviews and hangouts live in the studio nice. and um, have other places to put my motorcycles. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so that's it. That's it, man. But I listen, I appreciate you having me on, man. I, Absolutely. And, uh, take time and uh and and sharing the thing, you know. I'm I'm just a working guy. I'm still I'm still working for Christ's sakes. Uh and right. I used to, but uh, I'm still working nonetheless, you know. It it is it is a this is important. You're only as good as your last show. Guys talk about what they did 20 years ago. Well, I used to do this. Well, I used to do that. What's, what's the last fucking thing you did? Right. <laughs> you know, because that's where you measure up. And, it, it, you know, it, it's one thing to talk about, oh, I used to do this. But no, what's the last thing you did? You know, that's um, sure. that's what makes it, man. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, we on this podcast, we set the bar low so that it's incremental. <laughs> but we're getting there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Got high friends and low places. Man. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> and, and and both low friends yep. and high places. <laughs> but, man, uh, I, I really, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, Peter Walker, roadies and rock stars. Thank you so much for uh, for spending some time with us, selling aboard the Powder Monkey podcast. Would love to have you back again uh, in the future as as things progress. And anytime, uh, absolutely, man. Thanks so much. Uh, and until next time, thanks for listening. Keep her dry, boys. Hey, thanks for having me. And that's all the time we have today. Thank you very much. <laughs>